Hello and welcome. This is Jazz Just the Way We Like It. Jazz Just the Way We Like It is my weekly podcast where we play those classic jazz songs from the 1950s, the 1960s, and the 1970s. We play them, we discuss them, and we also talk a little politics and social issues. We play these songs for your enjoyment and also to introduce a younger generation to that fabulous art form known as jazz. Uh, We record live at Brick Arts in downtown Brooklyn, the People's Republic of Brooklyn. I'm always in the studio with my longtime friend of over 60 years, Lawrence Williams. Hey, Larry, how you doing, good brother? All right, how you doing, Fonz? What's happening? Hey, another another day, another podcast. Yes, indeedy. Beautiful day. Oh, today is gorgeous, man. Absolutely gorgeous. You know, uh, been waiting for a day like this. It's supposed to reach 80 degrees, 81 today in the city. Wow, man, that's beautiful. And 86 tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> ah, that's beach for me, man. Of course, I'm not going in the water, man. I'm just going to soak up some sun and just lay out there on the beach, man. That's a beautiful thing. That's a, that's a beautiful thing that you got going with the beach. Oh, yeah. I have, I have a similar situation with this, with Central Park. I like going going to the park. I hear you, man. Yeah. I used to have that with Prospect Park yeah, yeah, when yeah. I lived in Flatbush. Yeah. You know, uh, but, I, you know, I, I don't live there anymore. Uh, I'm out in Brighton Beach, man, and so I have access to both Brighton Beach, Coney Island Beach, and Manhattan Beach. Wow. So, you know, I can take my pick, man, yeah, depending yeah. on my mood and who I want to be around. Yeah, beautiful, man. Yeah. I like that. Choices. Yeah, yeah. That's the advantage, if not the only advantage, of living out there. And we also get, you know, some cheaper rent. And uh, I always tell people, man, you know, gentrification pushed me to the end of Brooklyn, the end of South Brooklyn, man, right near, not far from the ocean. Prices keep going up. I got no place to go except out of town. You know, yeah, that's it, man. I've been looking at that myself. Yeah, crazy, crazy. Uh, it's it's just like we talked about, I believe, last time, and never expected to live this long. Yeah. yeah. You know, here we go, pushing 77, man, and it looks like we're going to be around for a good number, another 10 years. Wasn't expecting that, man. Nope. You know, but uh, that's it, man. You know, you find yourself retired almost 15 years. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm truly blessed with that because like there's some people that we know oh yeah that didn't even get to 65 oh yeah that didn't even get a chance to uh didn't even get to 50 brother yeah didn't even get to 50 and you know they didn't get a chance to uh uh get the re- you know get the return on on their investments in social security yeah so yeah i just you know miss so I, much of, of of what's going on in the world you know, we all have our exit date, but uh, yeah. you try to participate and absorb 
and be part of and impact as much as you can while you're here because you only get one shot around. That's right. Yeah. All right, Larry, man, let's start the podcast. You know, we always, always, folks, start the podcast on a, a song, a poem, something that addresses social issues, the human condition. Now, here's a song. Uh, you may not expect us to play this, but it's from Tony uh, Morrell singing, and he's from uh, the band Rage Against the Machine. Uh, if you're into heavy rock, you know these cats, you know, very, very progressive band. And this is a song, Hold the Line, that was written and first sung by Pete Seeger. And this song is about the Pete Skill Riots. The Pete Skill Riots was in, what, 1949 uh, in Pete Skill New York and Westchester County, there was a uh, rally for civil rights. There was a rally for social issues. This is 1949 in uh, Westchester, Peekskill, New York, up upstate. Uh, and the people didn't want them there, especially because the keynote entertainer was Paul Roverson. And they rallied behind that man. And they said they didn't want no blacks and they didn't want no Jews in their community coming in there having some kind of rally. But it was a riot. You know, over 150 people got hurt. You know, over a concert. And uh, I, I was, you know, thinking about that, man. And I said, wow. Because that reminds me of something that happened in 60, 1966 in Chicago with uh, Dr. Martin Luther King. I mean, we praise Dr. King now. We give him a holiday. But in 1966, man, 5,000 white folks went sort of went crazy and protest a uh, civil rights benefit concert. Uh they were attacked by members of the American Legion, veterans for the foreign affairs. They were called names, spit on, booed. Uh, even their cars, some of the cars were put on fire. Stones and bottles were thrown. Uh, they hit some marches. Uh, there was an, actually a knife thrown at Dr. King, and they missed, and they hit one of the persons that was near him. Uh, they don't talk about that. I put that in the history book. And they're always quoting Dr. King, but they should quote Dr. King on what he said about this. He said, I've never seen so much hostility in a demonstration, and I've been all over the South. Uh, so the Peace go, and you know, 1949, you may think, well, that's ancient history. No, 1966, Dr. Martin Luther King in, in Chicago, the Chicago riot. Uh, it's important, and history is important. And uh, so here's a song that talks about that uh, 1949 Pete Skill, done by Pete Seeger, and we're doing a version by Tom Morello, uh, uh, Rage Against the Machine. Hold the Line is the name of the song. So enjoy. 
Nobody said it would be easy. Nobody said that it would all be fine. But to get where we're going, brother, you gotta hold the line. It ain't a matter if, no, it's just a matter of time. But to get where we're going, sister, gotta hold the line. You gotta stay steadfast, tread lightly. Right, all right. Hold the line, Larry, man. We don't usually listen to some hard rock, man, but the brothers, you know, they rocked that song, man. They did, they <laughs> did, man. I was into that. That was nice. I liked the beat. It was like, Ooh, yeah, a lot yeah. of energy, a lot of energy. In yeah, there. and it's a it's a Pete Seeger yeah, folk I, song. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> yeah. Wow, Pete must have been. I don't know what he would have been doing while <laughs> he was actually doing this. Because Pete is like real mellow. Yeah, and yeah. This is like high energy. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. That's a, you know, pretty progressive group, man, Rage Against the Machine. That's yeah. a hell of a name for a band. I got to check into them, man. That's yeah. That, that is. 
I'm gonna like, check I, into I, him more. Yeah, me too, man. Cause yeah. like I, I didn't, I, I wasn't even aware, aware of the band. Yeah, yeah. I, I was aware of them, but I never paid it no mind because yeah. they were hard rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. when I was looking for the uh, Pete Singer song, I happened to stumble across their version. Okay, okay. So I listened to Pete Singer and I listened to them, and I said, Nah, man, it's no contest, man. We got to play Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These yeah. cats rocked it, man. Yeah, yeah. They definitely, they definitely did. Yeah. Yeah, man, like you that. know. I really like that. Really. <laughs> yeah. I'll be moving, man. I, I know, that. man. <laughs> I know. They, that, that music fit, fit the words and the lyrics. It all went oh, together. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and you know, what I like is that that is, is, is speaking to a real event in history. Yeah. And, and it's so important that we get history straight. And, and we keep history as a, an agenda. So... This generation and younger generations can learn from the past and not distort it or attempt to whitewash it, you know. And that's why I, you know, I, I mentioned not only Pete's skill, but also the Chicago piece with Dr. King. We're always praising King and King Holidays. Well, put the other piece in there and show how things were. Speaking of past, brother, here's a question for you. Slavery and the royal family. We just saw Charles become the king of England. Uh, should the royal family pay some type of reparation for its involvement in slavery? Uh, you want to start that conversation, brother, or okay. you want me to kick it? I'll, I'll just, I'll just put it. I'll, I'll start with this: uh, Charles and, um, I mean, King Charles III and Prince William expressed profound sorrow at the atrocities of slavery. What does that mean? I mean, that's <laughs> profound, <laughs> you know, profound sorrow, you know, like, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. Um, and then um, it was 270 years and 12 monarchs that sponsored and supported or profited from British involvement in slavery. There was the company of Royal Adventure into Africa, which started in 1663, uh, that shipped more than 100,000 slaves to America uh, and, and more than any other institution that, yeah. that, that did it. But the thing about this, too, is that the royal family were major shareholders yes. in, in this uh, entity. And not only that, they politically backed them, and that's what made it so successful. And it wasn't abolished until 1807. No, they they directly got involved in the slave trade by financing the sh the movement of enslaved people from Africa. You know, they developed the the uh, two companies as you mentioned the Royal Adventure Company and the Royal African Company. And then the monarch had the rights to pick up all the slaves on the West Coast. Now, this is important to African-Americans because we first got here in 16, around 1619 as enslaved people, all the way up to when the end of the Revolutionary War, 1775, 1776, when we became an independent country, the exclusive shipment of slaves was done by England. 
So most of our ancestors were brought here in chains by British boats that was financed by the royal family right. and the monarchy. That's amazing. And they think that if you just look at from 1672 to 1731, and that's not the entire period, an estimated 187,000 slaves. Uh, they owe, they owe. And it goes back to Elizabeth I, who gave the approval. And when they saw, gave the approval for this boat to pick up enslaved Africans, and when they saw how profitable it would be, they uh, got directly involved. They got directly involved. The, in, in 1866, the Royal African Company was established by the Duke of York, who later became James II, with his involvement of his brother, Charles II, who was the king. Yep. The Royal African Company was prolific with the slave trade. They were prolific. Uh, and in fact, you know, we always say America and the slave trade, yeah, America had its, its hands dirty and America profited off it, but so did the British. And that financed the British Empire. And here's the thing. Not only did it finance the British Empire, Larry, it allowed the empire to develop the resources that enabled them to be successful in the Industrial Revolution that followed this period. So, you know, this continuation of history. Uh, and to make matters worse, man, you know, they had slavery in Jamaica, and slavery in Jamaica was absolutely brutal. The average lifespan of a slave in Jamaica during the height of slavery was seven years. Seven years, all right? And England literally got rich. England was able to expand its empire around the world. So they talk about how this little island uh, was able to colonize and conquer and blah, 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 and build a big navy. Well, they built it on, part of it was built on the backs of black people. Uh, When they ended slavery, man, here's the thing. When they ended slavery, these cats paid reparation to the slave owners. Right. And not to the slaves. No, slaves ain't get crap. Yep. They never got anything here from England, from the United States. But the audacity that they paid the slave owners, it's like the French you know, charge the Haitians uh, for their successful liberation and revolution. You know, these European countries, man, I mean, they, they have a nasty history. And I'm not saying these are evil people or nothing like that, but I'm saying, you know, fair being fair, uh, they owe. Yeah, yeah. They, they, the, their logic behind that is that these people once they abolish slavery, uh, these people were going to lose income, and that's how, that that that's why they they gave reparations to them. 
for their loss of income, not the treachery and the deprivation of the of the slaves. They didn't care about the slaves. So exactly. I don't. I don't. I think that they thought of them as property as well. Yeah, they you did. Know, Absolutely. As well as the, you know, I know the United States did. I mean, yeah. America. So I, I would think that they probably thought the right. same way. But you know, when when you when, when in history, when you go back, you don't reward people on how the oppressor viewed the victims, but you reward them on what the victims went through. So if we look at the Holocaust and we are going to help those who survived the Holocaust, we're not looking at what Nazi Germany looked at. We're looking at the conditions in which the Jews were put through. Right. And that's how we do it in history. And so their thinking that this was whatever is irrelevant. True. I'm I'm just pointing it out. No, I hear you. I'm not I'm not agreeing with it. No, I know, I know. I just trying to to make another another point. Yeah. Well, wow, man. So you know when you so when people looked at that wedding, I mean that carnation of the king, and those expensive hats and robes, you know, you can trace some of that cost directly to this blood, sweat, and tears of our ancestors. And there's no better, there's no other way of putting it. All right, Larry, let's get to some jazz, man. That's a little bit enough on that. Uh, uh, hey, folks, we, we are going to look at two, two, two fabulous groups, man. Art Blakely and the Jazz Messengers and the Jazz Crusaders. Two amazing groups. And uh, Art Blakely, my God, this guy was amazing. He was born in 1919, passed away in 1920. He was a jazz drummer and band leader. Uh, he was also named as Dula Abin Buhani. Did you say 1920? Not, not. 1919 he was born. In oh, 1919, he passed in 1990. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh because in the 1940s, he converted to Islam for a short period of time. He even lived in Africa. He made the name for himself in the 1940s with big bands, playing with Billy Eskine, uh, worked with Theolonius Monk, Charlie Parker, Dizzy Gillespie. But in the mid-1950s, Art Blakely joined up with Horace Silver, and they formed a group called the Jazz Messengers that lasted over 35 years. Uh, Horace Silver did not stay with the group, but the group started out as a collective of contemporaries. But over the years, the band was known as an incubator for young talent that included a young Freddie Hubbard, Wayne Shorter, Lee Morgan, Benny Goldsman, Kenny Durham, Hank Mobley, Donald Byrd, Jackie McLean, Curtis Filler, Chick Corea, Keith uh, Jarrett, uh, Woody Shaw, and so many, Winston and Marcellus, so many more. Uh, Winston played with him? Yes, and his brother. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah. The Jazz Messengers, folks. Now, here's a, a, a piece that I really like by them. It's one of their early pieces done in 1960. And it has Art Blakely on drums, Lee Morgan on trumpet, Wayne Shorter on tenor sax, Bobby Timmons on, on piano, and Jamie Merritt on bass. 
And this is uh, Night in Tunisia. Night in Tunisia. And they have some great solos by both Art Blakely, uh, Lee Morgan, and Wayne Shorter. So, folks, sit back and enjoy the magic of Art Blakely and the Jazz Messengers.
Wow. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Art Blakely and the Jazz Messengers, man. The night in Tunisia, recorded in 1960 with Art Blakely on drums, uh, Lee Morgan on trumpet, Wayne Shorter on sax, Bobby Timmons on piano, and Jamie Merritt on bass, man. They were smoking those solos, Larry, those solos. Oh, man, I love those solos, man. That, that bass solo with with the, uh, the intricacy in the background that, that was just tapping right into whatever he... Whatever notes he was bringing out, it was just beautiful how they how they play together. Yeah, it's just beautiful, man. It's just like, I mean, it's magic. <laughs> I hear you, man. And Lee Morgan, Lee Morgan, man, played that trumpet, brother, hitting some notes, and then you know Wayne Shorter jumped in there, man, and just took it away. Yeah, but yeah. Blakely, oh God, Blakely, man, if you did not. Hear the magic of Art Blakely in that man. You got a problem with your hearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, they were absolutely spectacular, and he man played those drums. He definitely did, and it, it. You know, I was listening to how African like the 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 way that he was playing the drums. Yeah, it was just it was just slight, but it was there. It was definitely like Tunisia. Like like, the kind of music that would have been coming out of there. Yeah, well, he lived. In, I believe he lived in Africa for a year. That, that he converted to Islam. Okay. Uh, uh, that came out. So that came it out had to. Drums. Yeah, that, it had to influence his playing. I'm yeah. sure it did. He spoke about that. So that's Art Blakely and the Jazz Messengers, man. He, the jazz, they formed that group, him and Horace Silver, in the mid-1950s, and they stayed around for over 35 years. Horace Silver left it, but Art Blakely, man, just became a hub for new and upcoming talent. Uh, man, that was fabulous. Well, folks, today we're talking about the jazz, Art Blakely, the Jazz Messengers, and also the Jazz Crusaders. The Jazz Crusaders. Uh, the Jazz Crusaders, formerly known as the Crusaders, were a jazz group that was successful from the 1960s to the 1990s. The group known was known as the Jazz Crusaders from their formation in the early 1960s and then shortened their name in 1971 to the Crusaders. They were comfortable playing a variety, an assortment of fusion jazz. Jazz with urban rock, urban R&B, uh, even jazz with blues. These cats, man, they played it all. Uh, they were like well known and it was made up of three friends, man, who went back to high school. They formed a group in the 1960s. And that was uh, Joe Samples, Wilton Felder, and um, and they moved to uh, L.A. and formed this group, the Jazz Crusaders. And they were influenced by Cannonball Arnie, Adley, Art Blakely, and John Coltrane. And here's a, one of their songs, Larry, I know that you like because you like the trombone in this one. <laughs> and uh, this is a piece called Way Back Home. The Way Back Home. Way Back Home. Jazz Crusaders. Sit back, folks, and enjoy. Fusion Jazz. Thank you. 
Oh yeah, that was Weatherbeat. I'd like to let you know that this song is very soulful, written by Mr. Wilton Felder, and I want him to know that you still love him. Mr. Wilton Felder, do you love him? That's what I'm talking about. We want you to know this was written by Wilton Felder. It's very soulful. We call this Way Back Home, written by Mr. Felder.
Oh, yeah. That song is very soulful. Let me talk to you one more time about the gentleman who's performing with you tonight. One more time. On drums, Mr. Moyes, Lucas. On drums, Moyes, Lucas. On bass, Mr. Reggie Sullivan. On bass, Reggie. Como Rigato Gazanas. And one more time for an incredible entrepreneur, meaning an incredible musician. Our guest, saxophonist in honor of Mr. Wilton Felder. On saxophones, Mr. Gerald Albright, please. Gerald Albright, saxophone. And my childhood sweetheart. I said, my childhood sweetheart. You didn't hear me. <laughs> Please. On piano. None other than Mr. Joe Sampo. Piano, Joe. Joe Sampo. Piano. Domorigato Gazamas, Wayne Henderson, trombone, the Jazz Crusaders, the Jazz Crusaders. One more time, Mr. Joe Sample, piano. Crusaders, man, these guys were bad. You can you can hear that uh, fusion with uh, soul music, rhythm and blues, and even uh, you know straight blues, man. They mixed it with that jazz. How did you like that piece? I know you know that piece, Larry, way back home. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was beautiful. I mean, anything that they played for me is always good. I I, I was uh, fortunate enough to have gone to a. Uh, uh, outdoor concert with Joe Sample uh, 
back in maybe the beginning of 2000, maybe 2001, somewhere around there. It was yeah. like in Fairfax, Virginia. And uh, he was, you know, it was, he was performing at, uh, by himself at that point. But it was like, it's just, whenever I hear them, I, it's always mellow. It's always something mellow. Yeah. They, you know, uh, Joe Sample has got a beautiful piano, but Wayne Henderson can play that trombone. Oh right? man, can he play that trombone? Yeah, I love the way he plays. You know, and when and when they had Wotenfelder, he we played that sax, man. Yeah, you yeah. know, they at one time they had uh, Hubert Laws on flute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was real. I mean, that was when they were they were really heavy into the jazz part, more yeah. so than the fusion part. Yeah, these these cats, they they. Uh, uh, they made a name for themselves, man. They a group that stuck together, man. And these cats, the Henderson, Sample, and Felder, man, they were like high school friends. Oh wow! So they knew each other for a very long time and stayed together for all these years. All right, folks, man, let's keep moving. We are featuring Art Blakely, the Jazz Messengers, and the Jazz Crusaders, uh, also known as the Crusaders. Here's a piece. It's probably one of Art Blakely's most famous pieces because uh, everybody likes to sing along with this uh, piece. Uh, it was recorded in 1959, Art Blakely and the Jazz Messengers with uh, Art Blakely, uh, Bobby Timmons, uh, Benny Golson, uh, Lee Morgan. A piece called Moaning. Moaning. Like you're moaning over something. <laughs> so uh, everybody's moaning. Here's Art Blakely, Jazz Messengers, moaning.
That's our Blakely and the Jazz Messengers on that hard bop version of Moaning, recorded in 1959 with Art Blakely on drums, Bobby Timmons, uh, Benny Goodman, Lee Morgan. Uh, Larry, man, how'd you like that piece? Man, yeah, that's a classic. Good. Jazz that, yes. classic. Yeah, it is. It is. It's like, oh, man, it just uh, brings me back. <laughs> I remember that one. That was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, love, I love Lee Morgan, too. I love, I love his, uh, uh, yeah. his trumpet. So that was really, really nice. Really nice. Nice reminder. Yeah, yeah. That was a, a nice piece, man. That was a nice piece. That's the jazz classic, Moaning. Yep. Yeah. You know, you might have heard the song, you know, everybody's just a moaning. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't start me singing, folks, because that's not something I cannot do very well. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, you know, we... Uh, Moving on, and you know, almost that time, man. But let's get another Jazz Crusader piece in here. And here's an old piece by the Jazz Crusaders, man, done in 1967, called Uh Uh Huh. It has Wayne Henderson on trombone, uh, Wilton Felder on tenor sax, Joe Sample on piano, Buster Williams on bass, and Sticks Hooper on the drums. Nice piece, man. This is a nice piece, folks. Sit back and enjoy. Uh Uh-huh.
Oh, excuse me. That was the Jazz Messengers on a 1967 piece called Uh-Huh. With Wayne Henderson on trombone, uh, Wilton uh, Felder on sax, Joe Sample on the piano, Buster Williams on the bass, and Sticks Hooper on the drums, the original group. Recorded in 1967. How do you like that piece, Larry? That was really good. That was really good. I really enjoyed that. Um, you know, I like the way that they mix the music. I like the way that they get it all together. Um, and, and and the way that they just, you know, it's always a collaboration of, of great musicians. I really enjoy listening to them anytime. Yeah, it's yeah. That, that they Nothing that they've made that I would not, you know, put on. Okay, okay. All right, folks, man, you know, it's getting to be that time. I enjoyed this uh, podcast, Larry. So did I, man. This was good. This yeah. Was good. We uh, sort of took a look at the uh, Jazz Messengers, uh, Art Blakely, Jazz Messengers, and the Jazz Crusaders. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. Uh, well, folks, it's that time. And as usual, peace and love until the next time. music all around me, crazy music, music that keeps calling me so very close to you, turns me your slave. Come and do with me any little thing you want to, anything, baby, just let me get next to you. Am I insane or do I really see heaven in your eyes? Bright as stars that shine up above you in the clear blue skies How I worry about you, just can't live my life without you Baby, come here, don't have no fear Oh, is there a wonder why I'm really feeling in the mood for love So tell me why, stop to think about this weather, my dear this little dream might fade away There I go a-talking out of my head again Oh baby, won't you come and put our two hearts together That would make me strong and breathe Ooh, when we are one I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid If there's a cloud up above us Go on and let it rain I'm sure our love together will endure a hurricane Oh my baby, won't you please let me love you And give me relief from this awful misery
find a good place to use a loving state of mind. I'm so tired of being without and never knowing what love's about. James Woody, you can come on in, man, and you can blow now if you want to. We're through. <laughs>